Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 180. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm just excited to get into this interview. It was an awesome one. Had a great conversation with my buddy Levi Brady. Uh, local guy, met him at the bow shop a few years ago and um, at 3D shoots and just super nice guy, became friends on Facebook and kind of one of those Facebook friends that you just don't see a lot but you keep up with. And last year, 2022, he had a great uh, hunting season. A lot of uh, deer in West Virginia that he was able to get, a lot of different interesting stories in this one. We talk a little bit about uh, some uh, urban hunts, which I don't think I've ever talked about on this show before, and we get into some of his bucks and all of these deer taken with a bow and just a really cool conversation. Also get his hunting background, great storyteller. Uh, we're just going to jump right in this time. Here is Levi Brady. All right, if you go across the river and into West Virginia and just down a couple miles, you will run into my buddy here, Levi Brady. Levi, how's it going, man? Hey, man, how we doing tonight? It's going pretty good on my end. Good, man. It, I mean, it has been an absolutely stunner of a day here in Ohio, about 74 degrees, something like that, 72. Awesome. Same here. It's insane that it is February 15th, and it's hitting, like, record temps right now. And then, of course, in two days, it's supposed to drop down to, like, 21 or 20 degrees <laughs> that's the way it always yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think we're in what you call fake spring it's just uh or something like that i don't know so what's you into today man anything exciting going on uh nothing too much i just had a pretty long run from work um i work as an environmental field tech so i'm always on the road doing a lot of environmental sampling kind of dealing with some backlash of the stuff of that big uh train crash right now up north. Oh, yeah. so we're touching on the edge of that because i sample up through the north end of like weirton and uh morgantown and places like that so kind of, we're kind of running into some of that environmental fun um, well this this works out really good because my wife has been on me to c- contact local belpery you know uh, city water to see if we're all going to die if we drink the water so now that i got you on the line am i going <laughs> to die if i drink my water levi is that is do i need to get bottled no, water no, tonight, not or? down here not down okay. here and i'm gonna say yet but I'm yes. because that's, that's, that's a good two hours North, but at the same time, some of the sites that I run are about 15 to 18 miles from those areas. So they've yeah. shut down quite a bit. They're doing a lot of testing for stuff. So that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's crazy, crazy stuff up there. If you've heard about that. So, well, anyway, I didn't have you on to hear those, those stories. I thought I would hear some hunting stories, but I thought first, maybe give us a little bit of your background. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do. Well, you already told us what you do, but give us a little, uh, you know, uh, bio of, of who you are. Oh, uh, well, uh, like you said, my name is Levi Brady. Um, so a little bio about me is I've, I have two kids. I'm married. I have a wonderful wife. Um, Cohen and Joey are our kids. They're 11 and 12 years old mm. and they are shenanigans that are in the technology <laughs> world beyond belief as every child <laughs> at the age of 12 and 13 or 11 and 12 are. Yep. A little bit outdoorsiness, but I think they're a little more involved in a an iPad than Xbox right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um some of my background a little bit really with the hunting world is gosh, I grew up in it. My dad, grandpa, uncles, everybody was hunting. And if you were off for school, it was like gun season or bow season or squirrel mm-hmm. season. And people have always heard the classic like you know, oh, you've never had squirrel gravy. I'm like, oh, that was a staple at the Brady house. Like, <laughs> I mean, squirrel gravy, beaver, ducks, deer, turkey, uh, you name it. It was probably uh, every kind of fish you can imagine running trot lines, mm-hmm. bobble fishing, traveling and trout fishing. Um, gosh, we've done that forever. And I started hunting with my dad when I was just like four years old. And squirrel hunting first and then it led up into like deer hunting and with like a gun and then it was an old 30 caliber and then like like a 30 and then of course he sent us on this uh like to jump into a funny storyline of it was when we were eight years old my brother and i um he sent us on this humongous scavenger hunt when we were like seven and eight years old for our first deer rifle this is christmas morning there's six inches of snow around (laughs) and he sends us on this scavenger hunt like clear out to our dog boxes, the other side of the barn, back to the shop, under the truck. Like he sends us all over the place. 
then brings us back in the house and he he ended up hiding some like a deer rifle for myself i got a 30 out six my brother got a 270 and he hit him under our and he'd hit him under our beds (laughs) he had sent us on this whole trail to come back inside oh that's awesome we, we have eaten that up our whole lives um and it's it's stuck with me forever i've been in the outdoors for it if it's hunting fishing camping uh, I have been into it as much and as much as I can since right. then. Now, did you, you grew up in, uh, you grew up in West Virginia. Yeah, I grew up in West Virginia. I actually grew up just like 10 minutes from where I live. Um, okay. right down in Newark. It's about 25 minutes out of Parkersburg. Okay. So gotcha. it's, towards the, it's the Eastern side, a little bit of Parkersburg grew mm-hmm. up in like work County high school, you know, a school of like 82 people in your graduating <laughs> class, super small. Yep. We yep. didn't even have 400 kids in our high school. Oh, boy. Yeah, I grew yeah. up in West Virginia on a river right on the Little Kanawha and right mm-hmm. off the edge of the Hughes River, so I've grown up on the river. It's hard to beat growing up on fresh water. Yeah, it's something I, uh, I last year, um, we'll probably get into some fishing stories at some point, but I, I with fishing and kind of getting into that a little bit more, that's what hit me the most. So I was just like, man, you have so much water around you and you don't really know how to fish. That's kind of a sad thing. I mean, there is the Muskingum <laughs> River, there's a the higher river, there's all kinds of dams and lakes and ponds and everything around you and you can barely bait a hook. So let's figure this out. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a late, late, late bloomer whenever it comes to that. So, hey, but that's why it's called fishing, not catching. That's the good that part. Is, that is true. I've done a lot of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we'd get into today. You know, I saw um, you and I, buddy, our buddies on Facebook, and I don't even remember if you and I met at the bow shop at 3D or at a, yeah, it was a 3D tournament. It was the uh, 3D league over at Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, I think that's where we met, but I saw that you had a really good season this season. And so I thought we could hear some of those stories. But also kind of just getting back into it a little bit. Um, do you remember, you know, some of those I mean, the first deer that you took with your gun with that uh, 30S6 or with the, the uh, bow? Any of those stories just kind of, you know, pop to the top of your mind whenever you think of some of your favorite memories? Oh, yes. Um, so my first deer was a six point. Um, it's actually hanging right behind me right now on the wall. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Uh, well, just the antlers, not the whole mount, but I still have it. And I used an old 30 caliber carbine from my grandpa from the war, from like early World War II, a short, snub-nosed, completely horribly inaccurate gun. <laughs> but, you know, an old straight barreled carbine with a hardwood stock. Um, but by gosh, that's what I got my first deer with. And it was, we were going over across from a property. It was like public land. And of course, we used to walk up. Now it is a big hill. You know, you go up like four flats, but as a kid, it felt like it was three miles. Mm-hmm. But, um, we would literally go up and sit on this big ridge top and sit in a bowl. And I remember it so much as because I fell asleep, of course, and I'm sitting up against my dad. And of course he like nuzzes me and coming across the hollers, this buck. Well, I aim up. And first thing I do is get so excited. I'm shaking so bad. I was such a, like, I was so ate up with it. I could, like, you could see me just absolutely losing it as a kid. Yeah. And I mean, I still have that, but my dad would always have to like grab a hold of my arms. Cause I would just shake so bad and how excited I was. And I was really bad about like jerking the trigger. So he would test and test and test and practice me or practice doing that. So I didn't like jerk too bad at the moment, but you can't tell a six to seven year old kid not to jerk. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So my first one was, uh, it ended up coming down. It was only about, as far as I can remember, about 90 or 100 yards away. And we just settled in, shot one, dropped it. It was great. Well, unfortunately, nice. as what a kid does, that was a spine shot. So um, I spent the next six or seven rounds. And this animal, I mean, it's not the best storyline for like every <laughs> podcast on there. But I'll tell you, when we went and found the animal after it expired in a very short amount of time from, of course, it was hit in the chest cavity each time. But the animal, they're just so robust and tough animals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but that was my first time. And then I just remember my dad being like, well, time to get to work. Can you get to drag it out? Of course, I'm like, what? That thing's bigger than I am. Like, what are you talking about? I got to drag it out. (laughs) But that that was my first deer with a gun. And I remember the worst part of it is because when it ran down the hill, we had to drag it uphill first. Mm. And so we had to drag it all the way up to the top of the hill and then down those four flats down to the truck 
And when you're in West Virginia, when you say hill, I mean, there's some serious, uh, some serious climbing going on over there. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It gets, this, gets steep. It is not flat ground, no fields. No, I do not have that luxury of any fields on even like currently now, like any public land I hunt, I don't have any fields to hunt. Mm-hmm. I typically granted I'm lucky enough that I lease and own my own property now, but I mean, growing up even till two years ago, I've been a public hunter forever mm. and there is no flat ground. <laughs> you definitely yeah. want that animal to expire quickly. <laughs> and my, that makes the world of ease in this dragon. Oh yeah. I, uh, I bought a tag there. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago <clears throat> for West Virginia. So my grandfather, uh, lives over, uh, near Cameron, West Virginia is kind of the, the area out past Moundsville. And, and you're, and you go over there, my brother and I, we went over to kind of scout it and just like, I grew up in like, you know, the Appalachian Hills of Southeast Ohio, but it's just a difference over there. Like you said, no, not a lot of fields and everything is just the grade and the steepness. It just gets a little bit more ridiculous over there. And it's just, uh, it's a different <laughs> ball game. But I thought about going over turkey hunting. But I'm like, man, I, I probably have to get in shape before I do that. I don't know. <laughs> if, if you're a, if you're a runner and gunner, if you like to sit out, find them and chase them and set up, man, you definitely get the right boots and be prepared to, you know, I'm a big fella, so I definitely get my work cut out for me. And I try mm-hmm. to go roost them at night and then try to draw them off the top of a ridge. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a more challenging thing. A friend of mine has some private property and they have a big rolling hills on their farm. And I've had some luck out there, but it's just mm-hmm. one of those that, yeah, if you're running and gunning in West Virginia and you're always on public ground, be, be prepared for a lot of, uh, like angular flats that you're drawing them off the ridges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of perfect flat ground and open fields, you know, unless you have your own land. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned, uh, you kind of started to talk a little bit about bow hunting. Talk a little bit about that. Cause like you and I met at a bow league. So when did that kind of come in and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about those, some of those stories that kind of surround bow hunting and you getting that excitement. All right. Well, so I grew up, uh, my dad was a scout master. I was in the scouts. My brother was scouts, Eagle scouts, you know, the whole kit and caboodle of that. But one of my favorite things was of course, archery. And so as a kid, we had like stick and string, like my dad would go out and get a sapling and bend it down and put a piece of paracord on it. But then as we got older, it turned into like a recurve. And then as I'm, you know, nine, 10, well, we didn't have the technology in bows and compound bows like we do now. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go out now and get these, I, I could name a list of companies, but basically you're getting like a full size looking bow, but it's like 20 inches long and the technology on it's amazing. When we were kids, we had slightly recurved edges with a string, you know, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. my first, I remember my first compound. I mean, I'd shot throughout my whole childhood, but I really started like wanting to hunt when I was like nine to 10 years old. Well, I still have that bow hanging up right here again. And it's like an old model T white tail from mm-hmm. the early 70s, you know, a 54 pound draw. I'm sitting here like what eight, nine year old is going to be able to pull this <laughs> yeah. humongous. Like I have a polar bear still from that year, from the years before from bear. Um, mm-hmm. I have an old Jennings, like those things, 50 plus pounds as an eight or nine year old. But my dad was like, well, it's in his world. That's kind of all there was. There was no go out and buy a, a new Fred bear youth bow. There is none of those. Right. So it wasn't like the technology. So I really got into like trying to work out. My dad gave me a bunch of like old pieces of metal. I felt like Rocky, like we hooked up <laughs> strings and ropes and in like the uh, country setting of our old shed where we had like our deer skin and stations. He just hooked up some ropes, some old weights and, you know, and he was like, if you want to be able to pull that bow, I mean, he showed me the forms and how to draw. Well, I'm a nine to 10 year old learning on a 54 pound bow. I mean, what, what yep. could I do? You know, and I didn't want to learn horrible form, but luckily I was a bigger kid. I was, what did you call the kids back then? Husky or they were. Husky, farm yeah. I, I wouldn't husky. call them that because they beat me up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's what I was. So I, I obtained the strength to draw that back pretty quickly. Granted the bow was like, gosh, I can't even remember. It's 40. I don't know, 44 inches actually. I mean, it's a really long old school bow roller cams about the size of a 50 cent piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
but I did take my first deer with it, but it wasn't that my first year I practiced and hunted for two years and missed quite a few deer. Cause there was no such thing as range finders that I ever used. My dad was like, just guess the yardage. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'd missed quite a few, but I mean, I got into it real heavy. Then I killed my first deer, um, with a bow when I was 11. So it took me two years of practice and it was a doe and I had just upgraded my old like solid green collar aluminum and copper aluminum arrows to the new, uh, what was it? The, the game getters. And it was the camouflage, like 22, 18 camouflage game getters. And by gosh, I thought I was living the high life with these new arrows, (laughs) like five and a half, six inch long fletching, you know, super heavy. Yeah. And, go straight to Walmart and thinking I was living the high life. So I got six new arrows and I remember that second, that next morning when I, I'd got them all, you know, the old, uh, let's see what did the cam lock wasp cam lock three and four and six blade broadheads, super heavy old school cam locks. Um, but I had harvested my first, I missed the first shot and she ran and I reloaded and I'm like, okay, she was at, I actually shot my first deer like 34 yards. I guessed her at 30 and I shot under, then she took a step back. So then I just aimed a little higher. I had two metal pins for 15 and 25 yards. So I just put Mm -hmm. it on the top of her back and it was like, you heard this weird, what we know now is that thwack sound, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, that sound. Well, then I didn't. So I hear this really weird sound like the thwack and it just runs 20 feet away. just looks. And then it just started doing the wobble. It just dropped. And I'm like losing my mind (laughs) because I'd finally killed a deer. And, you know, there is no, we didn't have cell phones, didn't have that sort of thing. My dad was like sitting, he was a couple hundred yards over from me, like hunting in the same area. But I mean, so I just start hooping and hollering. And a few minutes later he comes over and we were so excited. I mean, I had like, earthquake going on i just couldn't stand still and then it has been an utter like addiction it's i've been obsessed with it since yeah i shoot year round um i mean i staff for hot shot releases and i've been doing that for gosh almost 10 years and as much as i can get into archery we do the promo shows we do the hunting and fishing days and that's what we do now but it's just one of those like it's a blast to get a bow in a kid's hand and yeah you know, the kids have never done it. I remember how excited I was, you yeah. know, six, seven, eight years old with the scouts. What about now? You know, you get a, a 10, 12 year old who's never shot a bow before. Man, just seeing that goofy excitement, it just rem- it reminds me of like when I grew up on a 1970s model, <laughs> you know, yeah. the old NBN chief Fred Barebows. And man, that was fun. Um, uh, it was. I remember with my dad. For me, my first bow was a an old bear bow that my dad had. And I don't even know why he had it. My dad wasn't much of a bow hunter. Uh, we always did deer drives. But I remember going home. Uh, this was uh, so I was a late bow hunter. So it was 2009. I got married. We were down visiting, and I went upstairs. You know, I was going back up to where I grew up, and going upstairs in my bedroom. And then there was always these rooms down the hall where my dad just kept random junk. And in one room, I went in and I looked, and there was this bow. And so I came back downstairs, started asking my dad about it. And he's like, oh, I don't even know where he got it or what it was. But he's like, you can have it if you want to start shooting it. And so for me, I just moved to uh, North Canton in town. And uh, But one of the leaders at the church, he had this big timber business in the middle of town. And he owned like, I had to say it was like four or five acres right in the middle of town. It was really out of place. Like you have this big town, but his property was huge. And there was all kinds of deer on it. So I'd go over to his place a lot and take a target and I would practice with that thing. Didn't have a range finder. Just, I would, I remember I'd throw out arrows in different positions and try and take different shots. I lost so many arrows those first few times, but I just fell in love. Like I just, I just fell in love with like, I was shooting 20 yards semi-confidently, you know, (laughs) went out and that fall was able to take my first deer, you know, with uh, doe. And it just, like you said, there's just something I don't know about those old days where now, you know, I get out the compound and if I shoot and I miss by like a fraction of an inch, I'm like, Oh dang it. I need to die. Like today I was at the bow range and I was like really trying to hit that 11 ring and it just kept eluding me. And I remember I was just like, 
a little frustrated today. I was like, that's why yeah. I've, I've gone back to shooting the recurve. It's just like, man, if I get close, I'm happy now. <laughs> so, right. And that's, yeah. that's so true. Like, you know, and now I have never taken a deer with a recurve. I've always wanted to. I have yeah. hunted with my recurve numerous times. I have three of them. I love shooting them. They're a blast. And I always shot gap or a finger crawl method. Right. Like, I never harvested a deer with one. I shot at one. Let's see. This would have been two years ago. During, we have a specialty like um, it's called a heritage season in West Virginia. And it's mm-hmm. in January. And it's like an extra weekend Fridays or it's like Thursday through Sunday. Or it's basically just a couple day long, but you can only use like flintlock muzzleloaders, inlines, or a recurve or a longbow. You can't use mm. any sort of newer age. It's like the West Virginia heritage. And, yeah. you know, and it's always like when deer are back on their food patterns, they've calmed down a little bit more. And I've went out numerous times and um, just with work and kids and everything, but I try to get at least one or two days in and I really want to get back and like do it. But then, like you said, I have this confidence in my compound that I'm like, oh, I'm off a half inch. I need yeah. to fix it. Whereas my recurve, like you just said, you know, I sure don't really feel comfortable shooting over 22 yards, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like you said, it's just something enjoyable about it, though. I, and it's not even, it's not like you talk about kids get into it. Uh, so last week on the, the podcast, I talked a little bit about um, taking a new guy out. Um, it's a personal trainer <clears throat> that we met said he was interested in archery because I was telling him that I was working out basically to strengthen my back muscle a little bit so I could shoot my recurve better. And he's like, man, that's something I've always wanted to do. So I took him over last week and we shot. And Man, he had a blast. Loved it. And he started talking about buying bows. Well, today we went back over to shoot. That's part of the reason I was shooting the compound because he was shooting my recurve. And he ended up walking out of the bow shop with a brand new uh, recurve bow he bought off of Hinder Shots today. <laughs> so he's, oh, yeah. I've, I've created, an, <laughs> I, I may have made an addict here, but he got his bow and got him a, a Galaxy Sage, you know, kind of entry level bow, but he oh, shot yeah. it, shot well. I have a Samick. Yep. I understand totally. They're phenomenal shooting, affordable, great entry level bows. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's fun. So I'm hoping, you know, I told him, I was like, well, you shoot this summer we'll get together and then maybe in the fall if you want to go after deer we can we can do that so it's exciting just just something neat about getting out that stick and string and just letting her fly and having a good time so that's that's what I it's agree. about that's so, you know when I, when we finally got um when my wife and i we bought our first you know my first ever home and we bought it oh gosh about two years ago and you know it, i have like 10 acres of my own personal property right behind mm-hmm. my house, you know, a whole hillside and a holler. And I'm like, a lot of times I create my own. I bought a bunch of those little like $15 yellow jacket mm-hmm. targets that are like, I don't know, 16 inches by eight inches wide. Yep. And, I'd, sure. you know, and, I'd, and I'd hang them all over trees and I'd put a little tripod out and hang it. And I'd make a little trail for eight or 10 of them through the back of my hill and my yard. Now, granted, I'd love to have a 3d, but them suckers get expensive. No, oh, yeah, super yeah. expensive. So those being like you know twelve to fifteen bucks, that was a little more affordable to grab six or eight of them and hang them out and just have like a little walking block target through my property. And something about just getting out physically in the woods and doing it, it's just you know, there's you know, you go into the range is fun, it's a blast, but something about just like physically being out in the woods, yeah. something else about it, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's that's a neat experience, and I'm looking forward. I'm I'm probably going to be doing some of those 3D shoots and getting out here soon. I mean, we got to sure the weather's not done being cold and all that here, but closer to time. But right. I wanted to, yeah. So I mean, looking forward to that. But I want to dive into your season this past year because you made a post, and it it seemed like 2022 season and some of those stories. I definitely want to get in get into some of that and kind of hear how your season went. And just kind of unpack that because there's some neat stories, I think, involved in there. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, this one definitely, um, this would probably be one of my all-time favorite, but at the same time, some ups and downs of the entire season. Okay. So to start that out, um, I harvested seven deer with a bow. Now, most people are like, holy cow, you can't do that in a state. Well, in West Virginia, (laughs) it has some phenomenal things. Now, one is landowner lease owner you know if you're on your own land 
and there's extra things in there but the archery the regular archery season you can take three deer so you can harvest three does you can harvest one buck and two does you can harvest two bucks and one doe because in the state of west virginia you can harvest three bucks now with a county that i live in it's like the earn a buck rule so if i'd shoot the first deer and it's a buck i have to shoot an antlerless deer before i harvest my next buck okay well so the way mine worked out is i was luckily i guess to go in order with all mine um another thing is west virginia has numerous we have urban archery like nuisance and urban archery hunts now parkersburg has two different areas they do an urban hunt for the city of parkersburg and there's like a hundred acre area it's a wildlife area and they open it up and they do like a lottery for it there's like i think 20 or 25 permits they give out you go do like a proficiency test to show that you can operate your equipment you can accurately shoot within like a five inch circle at 25 yards, you have, you know, the Parkersburg police department kind of puts on the proficiency test. Yeah. And then you put your name in as a drawing. Well, in that area, you can like harvest up to five deer extra. And it doesn't even go on your regular season. Huh? So I I live right across the river and knew nothing about that. That's interesting. Right. And it's phenomenal. So then another area where my wife's family, they live, it's called North Hills. It's kind of like its own little city area right outside Parkersburg City. Has its own mayor, that kind of thing. Well, they have an urban hunt. They do the same thing. Like, it's a little bit different rules, but, like, they do, like, two. Um, They do. Pardon me. My mom's calling. Sorry about that. No problem. (laughs) started ringing off and my phone fell over but um whoop. sorry you still there yep i got you man you're good you're talking about north hills technology when it works so uh but north hills has that like two weeks in like early they used to do it like two weeks in september and that was it so they were like voting trying to extend the season people were talking about different times so then they backed it up instead of, you know, being 97 degrees in September for the early season, they did like two weeks in October and then they do like a two weeks in January. Well, that's also per that season up to five deer that you can take during that specific season. Mm. So like I could have like completely unloaded and harvested. If you include a gun in West Virginia, I could have harvested like 16 or 17 deer. I'm not quoting numbers. <laughs> that, is, that is insane. <laughs> like, I'm not quoting numbers or like rules yeah. or exactly yeah. what they are. A lot of deer. Yeah. The sheer fact is I could harvest a lot. So I was able to just, um, I harvested, I filled all three of my regular season tags. I harvested two does out of the urban archery one in the, in the Parkersburg area. And then I harvested a doe and a buck additionally in the North Hills hunt. So okay, I, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you. How, t- whenever I think urban hunt, I always think of like houses, and I think of like, you know, there. Are you hunting a few acres, or what's what's it like to hunt in these urban settings? Because I've never done that, and I'm just curiosity peaked. What what's that? What goes into finding the spot? Do you have to know somebody? Are you setting up at somebody's play set? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> you know that all of the above. So let's talk about the Parkersburg urban. Now the Parkersburg urban urban archery area is literally i think it's 98 acres and it's completely like surrounded with walking trails and it's just plain woods now okay think of like a big giant park in the middle of a city like if you're in new york you have central park right right so but it's completely in the woods just a big chunk of wildlife when parkersburg like that it's like the jane t wildlife area okay it's got some hiking trails a walking trail but it's basically just a giant pile of woods, like in the lower floodplain. So there's 25 permits that are there for the entire archery season and it's archery only. And you have to hunt from a stand. You can't hunt on the ground. They leave, they leave the hiking trail and walking trails open. So, you know, you might be 50 yards off a hiking trail. Next thing you know, you're in the, in the tree and there's Betty Sue walking down with her dogs. Like they don't close it. Yeah. at the same time, these deer are so used to people like they can walk 200 yards and they're in, there's 47 houses. You go across mm. the Creek and then there's 98 square total acres right there of just this wildlife area. And it just, it's just a big patch of woods. Now the North Hills one, 
they have multiple ways you can do this. There's kind of like what you said, the whole like a couple acres and not of a place that, you know, well, what it does is if you have like a few acres or you have to have so much woods connected to your property and it has to be mm-hmm. like approved by the city. Like if you have, let's say I lived on an acre and a half where I had a small house and a whole acre in the woods. Now, if that was approved by the mayor and their city and their little council and whatnot, then you could literally set up in your yard and shoot a deer. Huh. And the only thing is you run into is the classic of it's archery. So what happens sometimes you shoot a deer and it doesn't, it, it might run 10 yards and die, or it might run 200 yards. Right. So they also have, not only do they have um, some people where there's like a five or six, eight acre area where people might hunt, but they have designated it's a whole, there's another hiking trail and there's like three or four fields. There's a couple big patches of woods. Um, and what it is, is these, they zone it. Like imagine a zone being, uh, let's just say roughly a hundred yards by a hundred yards. Yeah. And if they run three different fields that are connected by some trees and woods and, um, even like a tennis court dog walking area, like there's all these patches of fields. So you might mm-hmm. literally be walking a hundred yards. This is zone one and it's staked up. And then there might be zone two, zone three. Okay. And, so you, and you very well might be like hunting in a blind in field number three. And then somebody goes in and hunts in zone number six. There's like 10 zones. Yeah. And it's basically just a big long strip of fields and small patches of woods where deer pretty much filter every single day. And a lot of people in those city areas want it because the deer eat their entire flower beds and their gardens and it drives them crazy. Mm -hmm. Now you do run into the fact of sometimes you run into the person who's, they don't want you to hunt. Um, They don't like it if you're hunting, but you're going to run that. You're going to run into that anywhere. Um, I'll use use an example of um, a couple years ago. This is again, you're a hunter stuff happens. I made what I thought was a perfect shot on a nice doe. It takes off running. I'm like already called people. I'm like, sweet, this animal's dead. I shot it at 22 yards right behind the shoulder. It's going to be right there at the bottom of the hill. Well, I promptly get up and go over and well, there's no deer. There's no blood. There's no, I'm like, what? So I go back and look on my camera. I was filming it and it was like, boom, right behind the shoulder. Perfect. So Mm. Then I play the game of, well, I find blood and then I start walking. Well, guess what? What does it lead into? Somebody's yard. And here's where the game comes into of like, if it goes into someone's yard, you basically put up your bow, you go knock on the door, ask for permission. If you can walk through their yard, because there's all these little patches of woods that are in amongst everybody's houses. Mm-hmm. So deer are like, it's a safe zone and they're completely content with never moving from there. I mean, when I had trail cameras out, I had the same eight or 10, 12 deer every single day. They just make their rounds. But I mean, I literally, I think I went through six different houses. Um, One person would not let me go through and trail through their yard. Luckily I went around their property. I use uh, the hunt stand mapping. So it helps me out a little bit with the property lines and whatnot. And so um, of course I had the mayor with me. I knew personally, and he was with me. And sometimes you just can't get permission. Luckily yeah. we still, we ended up finding the deer. It just, and by gosh, it was after so many houses and it died in a small patch of woods. Everything was good. <laughs> we found it. We were happy, but it ran 400 yards. Oh, so man. after, after field dressing the animal, it was double lunged right where you want it to be. The animal just, again, they're tough. You got to yeah. respect, you got to respect a deer, you know? I've shot deer like that and they run 25 yards and they never, they pile up, they're done. But yep. I've also shot them and like that doe, I had a full complete pass through and she went better than 400 yards with a complete, really heavy, good broadhead and double lung shot. And she wow. huh. was amazing. But, you know, and so with that, you can hunt those little patches. I typically like to, and they actually like want you to bait. They basically are like, put as much corn out there as you can handle, put as much, bring the deer in so you can, cause they're, they're like a nuisance hunt. They want them as many out of there as they can. Right. 
So, you know, I'll be the first to say I really don't bait, but mm-hmm. during the urban hunts, I have no issue. If it's legal, put it down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the deer are going to eat the corn or whatever minerals or apple or anything else you put out there. Plus, it brings them in for a closer shot. And, you know, I yeah. harvested two in the later season of January, right? You know, they were both at 20 and 22 yards from the blind right in front of me. And, I mean, I couldn't complain. They both expired. One expired in the walking trail that I could physically take my truck to and the other one went just on the edge of the woods so i mean yeah i can't complain so the urban that's awesome yeah that's interesting i love it because it allows me to you know harvest some extra deer i share with some friends and some family plus i like to make my own burger pork sausage venison sausage i like to do all that stuff that's cool man well, that's cool. So you get into the urban hunts and those go well, uh, kind of bring us through the rest of the season. And uh, I know that that wasn't, wasn't all because you, you said you killed a bunch of deer. <laughs> so tell us some other ones there. All right. So um, my first deer was opening day. I shot a really nice mature deer right behind my house. So that was great. Perfect. It was kind of cool that morning. The worst part is again, behind my house, it's a lower hauler. So it's like three flats down to a Creek. And then I own up to the other side, about three flats up. And then it's like 400 yards long. Well, it's basically just a big hauler, but deer love to run those ridge lines. So I usually set up a stand or a ladder stand or a climber. And I mean, that's where they walk through the property on a daily basis and a nice doe right first thing in the morning at eight 30 in the morning, opening day. And I couldn't help my trigger finger cause I'm excited. And, <laughs> um, and she dies in, you know, right in front of my stand. Like it was fantastic. The worst part is the only way to get back to my house is up. So, um, it was fun though. Cause my stepson came down and they were at the house and I called him. I had to walk up to the edge of the hill and he comes down to like, help me out. I made like this man-made, um, I made like a man-made, uh, cart and he came all the way down to the bottom and we ended up not even using it because it was just, the way that it was made, it almost made it harder. Yeah. But that, you know, you never know how out of shape you are until you drag a deer about 15 <laughs> yards up a hill. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Like, so that was deer number one. Um, and then, uh, let's see. And then I harvested a doe in an urban hunt. So I went in and I'd been, I'd set up cameras all over my property this year. And in the lease, I probably had 16 cameras out. I had six or seven cell cams plus regular cameras. And I had put a lot of time into like putting out the right minerals for the deer through the whole year um, on private property. And just, I had over 37 bucks on camera for the season. Oh, wow. Now there was, there was about five or six that were really nice, like 130 to 135 or better quality. But I have like 20 of them that I swear are the same two buck genetics. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're like four and six points that have the same long tined, thin, but curly tines, like on their G2s and threes. And I had so many of those deer, but it was so fun to watch. And uh, so then my third deer was I had a buck I had called Scar because last year I have camera, I have pictures. He was had his eye like scratched or gouged in a fight. Yeah. So he was blind in one eye and mm-hmm. I had numerous videos of him in earlier part of the season. And during the rut, like grunting on camera, just a mean old bugger. And he was a really nice, mature four year, four and a half year old for West Virginia. Um, he was a really nice nine point. And I, he was one of the four deer that I was really after. I put in, you know, 25 different sits two to three hours at a time. And luckily it just worked out during the rut towards the end of the rut a little bit, like around November 16th or 18th, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened to go clear up on our ridge top, And again, it's a, about seven, 800 yards walk in clear up on the top of the ridge top, but they just like to walk that single ridge top a lot and travel back and forth. And it just worked out that day. The only bummer is when he was shot, he ran behind me down the other side of the hill <laughs> and he did. It was completely the opposite direction of my house. No, I'm, about, I'm about 700 yards all the way up from the road. And he ran about 150 yards down the opposite side of the hill. So that made my, and I shot him at like three in the afternoon 
and uh shooting with, bow, with your bow or a rifle oh yeah i didn't kill a single deer this year with a with a rifle i killed all mine with a bow oh cool. so luckily uh, i mean it was a perfect shot he walked in behind me 25 yards and i just did the classic and he stops and i drilled him and he literally died within sight of my stand i saw him down but he just ran the wrong way <laughs> and mm. he was um he was 191 pounds on the scale nice so he was a hefty animal to drag out and that was definitely the kind of animal that my workout uh, i felt it in the first 20 yards yeah i still have seven eight hundred yards to go towards the truck (laughs) oh man yeah those are the ones you're like this is gonna be a long night but it's i mean you're just excited because you're you're pulling on antlers that's what it's all about exactly (laughs) and i've not harvested you know and i've not harvested a, a nicer mature buck and Ah, it's been since 2018, a good four years, you know, and I've shot a smaller deer and I typically, I won't shoot the smaller bucks unless it's kind of like crunch time. I'd rather just shoot a doe. And, but I just, this year was finally one of those where I had so many different bucks and I was really set on harvesting one of those four or five that were really nice, mature four plus year olds. And I, it ended up happening. It worked out. It was great. Um, And then that was deer three. And then I harvested, let's see, it would have been another doe I shot in the other urban area. So that counted as like, I earned another buck. So now that I shot, and because those don't, the urban ones again, don't count for your regular season. So now that I harvested an antlerless deer, now I'm, I still have a, a regular, my third regular season tag. I can shoot another buck if I want. Well, and it worked out that, the day after Christmas, um, I was off work and I was out behind the house and I was like, well, I just, you know, and it, my son had left to go to, uh, his mom's house and Mm -hmm. just in the morning and I look out back and there's one of the eight points that I've seen all season. He's walking over the hill on my property. And I'm like, uh, I have another tag. It's snowing. Like, so I run inside, throw the pants on, throw the gear, grab my bow, grab my release and range finder, run out into the yard, run down into the back of the edge of the woods and range him. And he is like right on the edge of like completely going down towards the Creek. And he's standing at 50 yards and Mm. I'm, I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable in my shooting to shoot distance. If it's open. Um, and so I just up and I shoot, uh, Magnus broadheads, Sir Razors, mm-hmm. super phenomenal broadhead. Um, yep. that's why I shoot. They're phenomenal heads, you know. And yep. so I literally drew back, let it fly for what I thought was, you know, 50 yards, and it hit where I thought it was supposed to. He ran over the hill, disappeared. And so I went back inside and grabbed my, you know, little backpack, rope, knife, in case, you know, I walk over the hill, I don't even make it. I make it to the creek bottom and I'm following like, like somebody dumped out a five, like a milk jug full of water of blood. I mean, just painted the ground in the snow. And so as I get to the Creek and I look up and he's right there, I mean, he didn't even run 60 yards. Nice. So that was deer number three or no, I'm sorry. Deer number four. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was great. I'll see. I'm trying to think if I lost. So I got one, two, three, four. Oh no, I'm sorry. That was deer number five. Okay. That was the buck. That was the eight point buck. And, and again, what it made it even better is the company that I staff for hotshot archer. We had just come out with and brought out our new Ember release. And the best part was I hadn't even had it a week and it was the first animal harvested with the new Ember release. And that made it even better as we had just got it in. I had just been shooting it at the house only a couple times to get familiar with it. And it, you know, that was the first animal harvested widget, which made it so much more fun. And just to say that I did that. And then, um, so that was again, clear in the bottom. So the only way is up. So (laughs) a lot of dragging for you. I did a lot of dragging this year. Um, the only animal that I did not have to was a couple weeks later during the urban archery in North Hills, the one that I had harvested the first doe, she literally like, there's a utility 
um, road that goes clear back in on that walking trail and you can drive your vehicle and they say, if it's after dark, you can drive back in to pick up your deer if you want to. When there's like a gate and so on. Well, she died in that trail. So I literally drove right to where she was, which was fantastic. No yeah. dragging whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> so that was the only animal I didn't have to drag. The others all took a little bit more work. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. And that was my, you know, and then the following deer, I shot a really nice heavy body three point. And um, again, they wanted all the deers they can out of there. So I had no issue with. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the killer thing was, it was like a three and a half year old three point. So these animals are big, they're bulky, but it's the genetics aren't there for animals. So I don't really have any issue with shooting small antlers, small deer. That doesn't bother me. And it's a yeah. trophy in the eye of the beholder. If you shoot a spike and you're happy, I'm stoked for you. If you want to wait and shoot a 12 point, 150 <clears throat> deer, more power to you. I think a and, challenging part in West Virginia is I mean it's a challenging part anywhere, but whenever you can shoot as many bucks as what you guys can shoot over there, and your neighbors are, you know, shooting deer for food, you know, it's yeah. it's hard. You know, it's hard to hold off on a two and a half year old, a three and a half year old deer and wait. You know, I, I'd have a hard time with that because it's just like you don't know. You don't. <laughs> there's yeah. so many opportunities to kill a deer over there that it's it's hard that unless you have like a lease or a special place, like it sounds like you do, having that many bucks, you know, then then you can start to maybe manage and maybe hold off a little bit, but. Yes. It's, it's a hard game to play, and I, I sympathize for any of the guys that are big big bucks or big buck hunters or mature buck hunters. Like I, I get it. It's a frustrating thing to know, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's everybody's got to hunt their own hunt, you know, and enjoy right. it and have well, a good time. You just said the the absolute kicker reason why I felt like I had a more chance this a higher chance this year is my own property. Again, yep. I've been a public hunter for ever. I mean, yeah, and I mean, I've killed some really nice large mature animals i mean i've killed two deer over 145 inches on public ground in west virginia nice let's see i've killed multiple in ohio but i mean actually my two largest deer are from west virginia not even in ohio. Cool. yeah they were, they were public animals but like you just said if i'm out there and i'm hunting and i'm really trying to fill some tags for food and I didn't have an urban archery tags or anything like that. And so I could kill three deer with a bow and I really wanted to provide. I'm not real picky sometimes, you know, and yeah. there's also there's, and a lot of those public areas where I hunt, which is actually near to my house. It, it's been a, you walk out next thing, you know, archery season was never really that bad, but if I wanted to gun, if I wanted to like bow hunt and it was gun season, man, you were, <laughs> you better see, duck you might, see, you might see 15 guys oh yeah I, i've yeah. had so many days where i was in a hunting i was in a climber or i was in something like that and guy walks under my stand or he walks 30 yards from me and oh hey like man and i'm a big yeah. guy i look like a giant pumpkin in a tree you're not gonna miss me right <laughs> you know, and, man that can be real frustrating and it can be scary like uh, I had one occasion, luckily my son wasn't with me and I had a guy that physically walked down to the same hauler. He's only like 115, 120 yards from me, climbs a tree and I'm yelling at him. He knows I'm there, but he still climbs the tree and then he kills a deer in between us with a rifle. And when he killed it, you hear that, you know, so where did the bullet go? Like it was somewhere near me enough that I could hear it ricochet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the distance it could have been 20 yards. It could have been five feet. I truly don't know, but the sheer fact that he killed a deer between us. That's man, not good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's stuff like that, that there are so many hunters that don't believe in like smart gun safety. Like when they're hunting that man, I, yeah. I really walked farther away than where most people want to Most, most people want to hunt 50, hundred yards, 150 yards off the road gosh, I'd walk a quarter mile, half a mile away just so I was like, not around more people. Yeah. Right. Now that would really suck if you killed a deer. Cause then you got a half mile drag, <laughs> but right. at the same time, it was almost worth it. Cause you didn't have more people around you. Yeah. Well, Levi, right. talk to me a little bit. Now you, you mentioned before we started this, you weren't the only person that got a deer and some of your pictures, I think, um, uh, were, were some of your boys able to get one? Okay. So, well, this year, unfortunately, we were kind of, 
skunked on, we went a couple days. Um, I took my stepson and he went a couple days and we had like the bucks come behind us and the does in front of us. And unfortunately we never got to pull the trigger, but last year was one of my favorite hunts is, uh, Joey. We were out on, uh, uncle's farm and, we were hunting in like an old barn. So like their slits cut in the wall and, you know, old school family hunting blind, which is like the back end of a barn that is not used for anything anymore. But we were told, you know, Hey, there's a lot of does coming in. There's sometimes bucks. You can hunt whatever you want. And of course, Joey, he had the, uh, we got a smaller, like more of a youth rifle to make it easier on him instead of a bigger 30 out six. And he was shooting really well with it really comfortably. And so we went out to Ripley, uh, Jackson County area in West Virginia. And it was during the regular season where you could have an either, or if you could shoot a buck or you could shoot a doe, whatever you wanted. And he, so he had like a doe permit plus his regular season buck tag just in case. And sure enough, we're sitting there for a little bit. And, um, my wife's, my father-in-law, he was with us. And so and it's freezing cold and he's like in like jeans and a work jacket and Joey's bundled up looking like Ralphie's little brother on the Christmas story. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but sure enough, we're sitting in there and about an hour and a half comes into it and a spike walks out and all of a sudden the excitement kicks in and he is like, you can see him like shaking the gun. And that was <laughs> one of the most exciting parts about it. As I, you know, we went through the words like, Hey, take your time, take a couple breaths. The deer's not going anywhere. It's in the field. You know, it was like 60 yards away. It's a good shot, you know? And he's, I said, when you feel comfortable, he could, we put up like those little, uh, we made like rice bags to help like stut, like make your shot more sturdy. Yeah. And he had him under the end of the rifle. And then like, he just looks back and he's like, I can't hold it steady. You know, and that's part of the excitement. And mm-hmm. so I help him steady the gun and he sets it right behind, pulls the trigger. He makes that like arched front shoulder, like he's uh, like that lower heart hit. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, oh man, I bet you anything he's dead. So we give it time and walk out. And sure enough, it was only like 15 yards away. Then he killed his first ever deer. Mm, so cool. we were ecstatic. But the funniest part about that whole hunt was he's not very like good with like smells right he has a very sensitive like stomach so of course um what i thought was the lower front of the heart was actually the edge of the liver and he just clipped the edge of the paunch didn't blow it up or anything but just clipped it and when i went to field dress it i said you know you have to come over here you have to see the process so on so forth and he's over my shoulder and I open up the stomach and man, he just, whoa, he just starts gagging. He runs <laughs> off and he's like, he doesn't puke, but man, he's just rolling. And I am losing it. And of course his grandpa, which is my wife's father, he's laughing. We're all just hooting and hollering. And he's like, Oh, that's, that's awful. You know, <laughs> but yeah. he was 10, you know, yeah. what, what are you expecting? Or no. Yeah. And that just made it more fun. And oh, yeah. gosh, that, I mean, I'll never forget that. And so I, once we processed everything out, I mounted his antlers and put it on his own plaque that he can have in his room. And, you know, it was just so cool to like witness practice through the year and finally getting able to get a shot and <clears throat> really good. And so it was so exciting to watch yeah. the excitement kick in on a kid. Yeah, that's neat. It's neat to me. Kind of, we went full circle with it with your story a little bit. You know, kind of started with you and your dad and that that first the first buck that you were able to shoot, first deer, you know, and then all the way up to this. Just kind of neat how you know now as dads we get this opportunity to take our kids out. My daughter's almost there. She's almost to that point. I'm you know, thinking about <laughs> you know, and it's like I've been having her shoot the twenty two because I want. I think she can shoot the four ten. It's definitely gonna. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna get some sort of thing to help with the recoil and probably put it up on a right. pad. But I think I can get her a chance at a turkey, and she. I'm pretty sure with the way I've seen her shoot, she could kill a turkey. But it's just oh, like absolutely. So that excitement, you know, of, of being able, it, it just, have, so many guys on the show have said this so many times, but it becomes less about us and more about them. And just that experience is just 
it's just awesome. Love taking people out and giving them, giving kids that opportunity for sure. It is. And it's so funny. Like when we went this year, numerous times, or I should say last year is in like fall of 22, he went with me on numerous mornings for gun season. And you know, you hate it. If like you go out and hunt and you don't see anything. And Mm -hmm. like I'd said before, the only, the ups and downs of it was all these times that we were in the woods. Unfortunately, we have a neighbor that, um, there's an oil well on the, I have a lease. I have a 200 acre lease and there's an oil well that sits up on top of it. And there's a guy that has the rights to it. But when I've, when I have scouted the land, that oil well has not been touched in years. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, I mean, there's trees down and around it that are like 18 to 20 inches in diameter. I mean, nothing's been touched for years, even way before I was on the lease. And so sure enough, this year, um, I'm on the lease with another gentleman and I had reported it to the other gentleman that there was dirt bikes constantly running up and down. Well, the owner didn't know that. So Mm. I think that kind of created a, whirlwind when i let the owner know because i'm hunting a lot and if i drove my truck down to the edge of the lease which is down from my house and parked well guess who was riding their buggy to go check the well almost every time that i was in the woods yeah now the reason i say that is because the other issue was is if i didn't drive my truck down and i just walked all the way down to my lease he wasn't out there checking as well. Hmm. And, and we ran into the same situation directly after hunting season and all summer long. You know how many times that person checked their well? None. So it, it happened. There was a, of a, it was 21 incidents that a buggy went through as I'm 40 to 60 yards away from that main hall road trail. And of the 21 times that I was out, 17 of the 21 times that I was doing that, he decided to run a ranger down the middle of the hall road to check as well. Mm. And that's no good. And that's one of those that that's, it's a frustration because technically we can't say that he's, is he checking the well? Maybe. Yeah. At the same time, there was a lot of coincidence. There was a lot of, so that was a really trying time on the top of paying for a lease to have that happen all the time. But at the same time, I had one of the best seasons I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And it was just one of those, like, I have to remember that, you know, God's not going to give us more than we can handle. And he's got, I got to temper myself to realize like, you know what? It's like the classic of turn the other cheek. Like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm enjoying my time in the woods. If he wants to run up and down for 20 minutes, you know what? I still saw deer. I saw a bunch of deer. I saw bucks. I, harvested numerous nice ones and you know none of my cameras were stolen or anything but i had them on my cell cams all the time (laughs) but i have to look at it too like you know what be slow to anger relax a little bit it's not that big (laughs) of a deal even though in the moment it's tough yeah it's tough and especially when you have your kid out there with a gun yeah, we're trying to get them in, and then on three different occasions when we were hunting with a rifle, I mean, we're we're probably forty to fifty yards away from that hall road because the deer travel through there more, mm-hmm. and they're running their, you know, big buggy down through, and it's like, come on, man. And so, yeah. you bring up an interesting of- an interesting thing there, though, just about how I've noticed a lot with hunting. I think it's anything that we get passionate about. If there's passion involved, something that you care about, there's also the tendency for that, that passion to turn into anger. And I see a lot of like, I've, I've had to deal with that things where you just get so frustrated. Like even this year, like for me, like I got permission on this property, super happy to have permission. I put up a trail camera and then I see, you know, and I have no right to be mad at the landowner. He's walking his dog down this path. Uh, close to the dusk and that's when the deer like to travel um no big deal there's uh, another time that he's driving a dune buggy down the path so i had kind of a similar thing where i got permission on this property but pretty quickly i realized the one side was just like so much human activity that i was just like getting angry and frustrated even though it's not my property and i have no right to say what this guy should do right but your um, mind says like oh they're 
I'm yeah. hunting. What are they doing? But not everybody thinks like we do. Yeah. And I don't know if I told this story. Um, so I put up a trail cam over on the other side and the, fortunately the next day, even the day after I, I hung that trail camera, I was able to kill my buck. So I was out of there. I wasn't really that concerned, but I had this picture, this camera cell cam over a scrape over a pine tree. And, uh, one day I get a picture and this is gun season. I get a picture of this guy's wife standing in the scrape, like reaching up at the, I'm like, what is she doing? I, I, I thought it was her. So I, I, I become friends with him on Facebook. I messaged him like, is this you? I'm just curious. And she's like, Oh yeah. She goes, I needed some pine, uh, pine, um, bows for my, uh, yeah. Pine bows for my Christmas decorations. She's cutting the pine bows off of a scrape tree. Like the rub, the rub where the deer come. Oh my gosh. I was like, I, I was like, ma'am, I have a pine tree in my front yard. I will cut that whole thing down if you stop. (laughs) But it's just like, you can get so frustrated sometimes over something that you're passionate about. So talk to me about this kind of wrap up. How do you control anger? That's not something we've talked a lot about on the podcast. So how do you control the anger and how do you control, you know, making sure that you don't let things get too far taken away, taken too far, um, I guess is a better way. So I would probably say, cause again, I've never had a comfort. I never even had a confrontation with that guy. Um, never met him. It's and it's just a neighbor, but at the same time, like, you're so frustrated. I have to sit and step back and think like in hunting, as far as that goes, I have to think, you know what? Maybe that guy doesn't think hunting like I do. My mindset, deer move in the last 30 Mm -hmm. minutes of daylight. Deer are moving in the first hour of daylight, the most on this property, you know, maybe like that's not what everybody else thinks. Maybe some people go, Oh, deer move anytime. So when I get so frustrated, I have to kind of like stop and check myself and just remember, like, look how lucky I am to be in a tree comfortably (laughs) have, you know, I have nice equipment. I have Mm. time to do so. I have money to do so. It's a beautiful day. The sun's out. I can see my breath. I have to like stop and sit and be like, man, it is a gorgeous morning. Like watching the sun come up and then hearing the birds, watching a squirrel run down three feet from my head and lose his mind as I'm in a climber, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have to remember like, you know what? It's not always really about shooting and killing a deer. Like, yeah. It's just being in like God's creation. It's just being out and enjoying what's around the peace yeah. and quiet of hunting in the woods and, yeah, you might hear a car go by or you might hear dogs barking or you might see your neighbor drive his buggy through the property. But at the same time, like most of the time he, it takes him, it's like a farm. How many times does a buggy go by and the deer don't even look? Did it really yeah. affect, did it really affect me that much that I'm going to lose it? A couple times some deer were pushed away, but like, what did it really do? Did it hurt me? No. Did it cause major? No. Like, I have to stop and just take a few things and remember, like there is more things to be angry about and this is not one of them. And just remember what I'm out there for to enjoy the time, enjoy that. And just basically sit back and relax for a minute. Say, just calm down and breathe. It's there's more important things in this world. Yeah. Uh, I think what you're talking about is, yeah, that perspective is having perspective and, and, a verse that you mentioned a little bit ago, I think comes out of James. Um, we've been studying that with uh, some kids that come over to our house on Monday nights. And that one verse, it, everyone should be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Yes. And just like those those three things, like slow to speak, man, I'm not, that's not always me. Quick to listen, uh, I like, I'm not always listening, and slow to anger. You know? And that's, but I think just focusing on that, and that, that applies to all, you know, facets of life, but definitely applies to hunting and situations that we get ourselves into it's um there's so many people that have ended up making an impulse bad decision messed up their lives or messed up relationships just because they flew off the handle and i'm 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 one of those people that sometimes i got to control that anger and watch that a little bit because it's it can get the best of me for sure right and there's nothing good that comes you know rarely does anything good come of it and that's so true it's just like taking us take it one day at a time God has bigger plans for us than that, than just getting angry at something that's not that big a deal. He's yeah. like, cause I have to remember like, Levi, you had seven deer. You had a fantastic season. What are you upset about? I'm like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. God. I'm... 
And I just have yeah. to think back on that because it was, it was a great season. And I was able to share, you know, two and a half deer with friends, a, a friend of mine that was, um, he had his back surgery. He typically hunts. He couldn't do it. So I got to, you know, donate a whole deer and he was stoked. Like yeah. it's just one of those things, you know? And I'm like, man, I was, God blessed me with so many deer. I could bless other people. Like, yeah. that was, it was a great feeling. I was like, man, you're right. I had a great season. Levi, you can't be mad. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. Good stuff. Well, Levi, man, I enjoyed, I loved the last hour unpacking some of your, your stories there, getting a little bit of your background and, uh, uh, congratulations on an awesome season. I'm, I'm looking forward to the upcoming one and also seeing how that goes for you too. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I had a blast talking with you, Travis. We had a good time and a great season. And again, I loved watching your guys. That was just one of those things. When you see the excitement of other hunters, it's just yeah. like being together and enjoying one another's time. Like that was awesome. I appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, Levi, I'll keep up with you and I'll chat with you later on. All right. All right, Travis. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Man, I enjoy that. Love talking to uh, Levi. That was cool. Uh, just catching up on his season and just super nice guy down to earth. And uh, appreciate him giving me time to come on. You know, I didn't expect the podcast to really go that way. You never know which way it's going to go. But kind of getting into anger, I thought that was a good thing. I don't know where you're at on that. I can tell you sometimes with my kids, um, I can lose my patience a little bit. Kind of fly off the handle and just don't have that that mental <laughs> stability sometimes that you need to have. And I just think about that verse we brought up. It's super important just to, to take that time, uh, make sure we keep our prior, priorities straight, like Levi talked about, you know, remembering the grand scheme of things. Is this really worth losing my mind over? You know, there are some things, you know, the Bible talks about that, that God gets angry about, injustice, um, people doing bad things to other people, you know, things like that. Those are probably some better things for me to get mad about other than hunting or my kids being super annoying sometimes. So that's something I'm always working on and just praying that the Lord will produce that patience in me. Um, and it takes time and I'm growing in that, but it's just a constant effort. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to keep working on and, and hopefully see some progress over time. Guys, I want to thank you for coming back for another episode. Super excited for next week. It, turkey season's around the corner. And so I recorded an episode with my buddies Trav and Josh again, and we cover all things turkey hunting. We throw in a lot of stories, but we also talk a lot of uh, tactics. If you've never turkey hunted, new to turkey hunting, or if you just want a fun turkey hunting episode, uh, make sure you come back next week. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you come back then. And until then, remember to shed the light.